we have clients who do their podcast solely to meet interesting people that they can connect with on a one-on-one basis. And so the guests that they're inviting on their show really are their goal. They're wanting to forge a relationship with these people so that should they need to connect with that person, resource that person, connect that person to someone else in their network, they have the open door to do that. And that's their only goal. We have other clients who their goal is to have people on their podcast as guests who are their ideal client. And they strike up a great conversation. They have a great time together. And then at the end of the conversation, they're able to naturally talk about the needs that person might have that the podcast host could meet. And it's a different sort of approach to podcasting. It doesn't depend at all on numbers. It's all focused on something else. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Carrie Green, founder and CEO of Podcast Fast Track. Carrie is a pastor of 20 plus years who retired back in 2013 and embarked on a journey to figure out how to provide for his family moving forward. He'd been podcasting himself for a few years and recognized the needs podcasters have for audio production and show notes services, so he decided to give it a try. Within months, one client turned into five and five turned into 10. Fast forward to today and Podcast Fast Track serves 50 plus podcasting clients every week. In addition to his role leading the Podcast Fast Track team, Carrie continues to podcast himself, publishing a daily six-minute Christian devotional podcast called The Morning Mindset. His show is downloaded over 70,000 times per day in more than 198 countries. Carrie and his team love equipping those who have a great story to tell or a message to communicate so that they can get the message out to those who need to hear it. Through monthly services, coaching, and group masterminds, Carrie works to build long-lasting relationships with clients for all facets of podcasting. Carrie and his team have helped the Midland Money Mindset move from concept to weekly show. We love working with him and his team. Listen in for some great takeaways about getting started and maintaining a successful podcast. Whether you have a show or are looking to start one, you'll walk away with some actionable ideas. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the unbelievable pleasure of being with the Midland Money Mindsets podcast guru and the CEO and founder of Podcast Fast Track, Carrie Green. Thanks for joining us today, Carrie. Wow, Larry, I'm so thankful to be here. It's an unbelievable privilege, but I'm happy to be the cause for that. Yeah, well, I appreciate all your help, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that as we go through here. But Give our listeners an idea of who you are, how you got here to founding podcasts, Fast Track. How did you get to this point? Yeah, that's a very winding path for sure. That's a common theme, by the way, for most of our guests. It yeah, seems like it's a commonality. <laughs> yeah, that's entrepreneurialism. I don't think yes. anybody really starts out with the idea, I'm going to start my own business, but you have those rare people who do, but I definitely wasn't one of them. I actually had a previous career for 20 plus years as a pastor of small churches around the United States. And I was very happy in that role. 
was continuing to do that role for some time and just noticed a diminishing sense of zeal for that role. My wife kind of felt it first, and then I felt it. We took a sabbatical for four months thinking we just needed a rest. And after we came back, it was getting to be on a year after coming back and just realized that's coming back, that feeling that we don't belong here anymore. It's not that we lost our faith or anything like that. We just felt like if you're going to do that kind of a role, your heart really needs to be fully in it because the people deserve for a leader to be fully in it. And so we just started making plans to step out. We didn't know exactly what that would look like or what I would do to put food on the table. And in the interim, I tried a number of online things. I had already been listening to podcasts. And so I knew some of what the space was like. And I actually was producing my own podcast at the time. And so I understood the pain points that podcasters experience all the time. And one day when I was doing some editing with a friend of mine online, a call like what we're doing right now over video, he said, you should do this as a business. (laughs) And it was like his massive light bulb went on. And just realizing that back then, back in 2015, Podcasting was just on the upswing, though it had been around for well over 10 years at that point. It was really taking off, and I realized there probably was a very good market for it. So that guy became my first client, and then within a month, I probably had three more. And then it just took off from there to the point I had to bring in my oldest son to help me work. He's a great audio editor on his own right. And over time, we've just grown. We've grown and grown. We have 50-plus clients now and are adding a few more every month as we just progressively and steadily grow. Amazing. That's an amazing story that you found it the way you did. And before we tell our listeners about Podcast Fast Track, I think you pointed out something very interesting to me, and that is you talked about the leadership within the church, right? Yeah. You're in a leadership position there. How does that translate your role as a leader in that church environment to now being a leader within the business environment. Was there a direct correlation that made it an easy transition for you? Well, I don't know about easy transition. There are certain aspects of it I didn't have to focus on as much as I think I would have if I didn't have that background. All of the business stuff as far as systems and profit and loss statements and figuring out what's a viable product and all that, that was all new to me. So I had to learn all of that. But what translated over, I think, pretty well is the people skills and the ability to care for people and the passion you have inside to really do something that makes a difference in people's lives. Right. And so we kind of brought that over into our business where we have a business model where we don't accept every client who comes to us. I mean, they could pay us all the money in the world, but if we don't believe in their message and we don't believe we can get behind it fully, then we won't work with them because we just feel like we've got to be in alignment in that respect. And I think it served us well and it served our clients well. Yeah, I think that's why we hit it off initially, because we're very similar in that regard. Our first meeting is, is there a fit? Because if it's not a fit, at some point, the client's going to be looking somewhere else. Yeah, You want to make sure that there's an alignment there from the outset. And if there is, it makes it a much more longer and fruitful relationship where you can help somebody much more significantly than if you don't have that fit from the outset. Yeah, absolutely. And for entrepreneurs who are listening, I've found that's just so important for the entrepreneur side of things, too, because we've had occasion to fire clients before. Right. And that's Same. a weird way to say it. But people who we don't align with and their message is consistently going against the grains of our values. And so we would have that difficult conversation. And it's just much better if you can get that out of the way ahead of time so you don't have to switch boats in midstream, so to speak. Yeah, I agree with that. And we've had to disengage with people too. And it's really not only for us, it's for them too, because they could be better served by potentially somebody else as well if there's not that fit. And I think 
the entrepreneurial nature is, right? I'm starting this business. I want to get the revenues going. I want to get the business going. So I kind of take everything. And if you build it the wrong way, you can almost build the house upside down and it comes tumbling down. You're better off building a really strong foundation and foregoing the revenue initially and build it strategically and smartly like we've been discussing. So we've talked a lot about stuff here. So can you tell our listeners so they understand, obviously, they know that we use you as our podcast guru, as I mentioned earlier, but can you tell them what Podcast Fast Track is all about and what you guys do on a day-to-day basis for the podcasting world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, our mantra, so to speak, is we save podcasters from the podcast time suck. (laughs) That's really what we're doing. To put together a podcast, there's a whole lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that has to happen. I mean, Larry and I right now are having the conversation, but that recording has to then be kind of assembled with other elements like the music that you hear at the beginning and the end, any announcements, disclaimers like Larry has at the end of his show, all of that stuff. Plus, there may be graphical elements that go on a web posting. There may be show notes that are written up to summarize the episode and go on a website or into a podcast player. There's just all kinds of little ancillary services that go with producing a podcast. And so a team like mine takes that raw audio and does all the audio stuff to make it sound as good as it can sound, add all the audio elements. We create any of those resources that are needed to promote, publicize, put on the website, any of that. And we even publish a lot of that for Larry's team behind the scenes so that once they record it, they just drop it into a Google Drive system and they don't have to think about it again. Hopefully that's the goal. And so all that stuff, if you're doing it yourself as a podcaster, can take hours per episode. And people like Larry, you know, they have better things to do with their time. So that's really what Podcast Fast Track is all about. Yeah. And it's been amazing. I mean, literally, I talk to people and we've had guests and I've been on as a guest on shows. And a lot of people don't have these services. And it's a huge pain point for them because some of them, it's part of their career. Sometimes it's a hobby and it's almost a second career because of all the time that it takes. And like you said, I think it's usually valuable that we step in, we record the content, which is great, have the conversations, and then know that your team behind the scenes is putting that all together, all the elements that we need, and then publishing it. So I want to talk about podcasting as a business marketing strategy, because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, they're business people. Is podcasting something that all businesses should have as part of their marketing strategy? How do you make the determination whether having a podcast is even right for you? Yeah, that is a great question because it's so relevant with all the marketing choices that you have out there. You could be doing video, you could be doing social media marketing, you could be doing podcasting, you could be doing traditional advertising and marketing on print magazines and things like that. And really the answer to me comes down to knowing your target market, and knowing your capacity, and also just knowing your goals for your business. What is it you're wanting to accomplish? Are you wanting to scale to a multi-eight or nine or 10-figure business, or are you uh, happy with six? Are you happy with seven? Where are your targets? And that leads to the issue of capacity. Do you have capacity to take on lots of contents? Were a podcast to really be a hit, and you get lots of leads from that? You really have to think it through. Podcasting, to me, is one of the best forms of content marketing for people who are trying to either build authority for themselves or for their business, or B, highlight their expertise in a way that listeners will be drawn to. And over time, as those listeners need the service you provide, they think of you immediately because they've had you in their ears, literally, almost inside (laughs) their heads for 30 minutes, 40 minutes a week, over and over and over. And it feels like they know you. 
And so should every business podcast? I don't think so. But I think the way that you go about determining that is based on those goals and based on your ROI and capacity. Right. And I guess you also have to have the time commitment and whatnot, which may play into where I wanted to go next, which is if you determine, let's say it is a good fit and it makes sense from a strategic standpoint and from a capacity standpoint, what are some must do's if you want to start and more importantly, be successful? Because I know you know the statistic and you could probably share it off the top of your head. I'm not so inclined with having that off the top of my head. But if you could share, I know a lot of podcasts start, but then they also end at a certain point, a great majority of them. So in order not to be that statistic, how do you start it and be successful at it over time? Yeah, that's an important thing to answer for yourself at the beginning. I think the most important thing to understand when you get into podcasting is how podcasting works and why it works the way it does. And so that takes a little bit of background research, and it takes a little bit of understanding of the tech, how the tech works, how it pushes content to listeners and those kind of things. Because if you don't understand that, you're going to assemble episodes and you're going to try to make them serve in a way they're not designed to serve. It's like sharing on LinkedIn is different than sharing on Twitter. And it's because the platforms have different purposes. LinkedIn is more about building credibility, making connections for business deals. Twitter is more just like a constant run of people's thoughts. (laughs) That's a nice way of putting it, by the way. (laughs) And you have to know that going into the platform because you're going to use it differently in light of that information. Well, podcasting is the same way. If you don't understand how podcasts get out there and why they get out there and how people consume them, then you're going to produce them in a way that's not attractive to people. And so I would encourage anybody, just think through the podcasting approach and whether you want to do it based on that information. Now I have an online course, how to podcast step-by-step is what it's called. For anybody, any of your listeners that want it, I'd be happy to send it to them free. And the first module is all about this, how podcasting works and why it works the way it does. And you'll see as you watch that module, this is very helpful information to have because it helps you approach your podcast wisely. Beyond that, I would say you need to have a mindset that if you're convinced this is something that is going to benefit you and your business, you need to commit to it for years. Podcasting is a long haul. You won't see ROI within months. You won't see sponsors knocking down your door within six months. It just typically doesn't happen. So you need to be committed to it as a long-term strategy to build influence, build a listener base. And then over time, it begins to snowball. And there's a certain tipping point where that inertia hits and it just starts taking off. And it's kind of hard to explain why other than the fact of consistent quality content put out over time magnifies itself and people start talking about it. So beyond that, I would say good audio equipment. You got to sound good. Right. You got to have quality because when someone is considering your podcast, they're not just considering it compared to other podcasts in your niche or in your industry. And they're not even just considering it in light of all the podcasts available. They're considering your podcast in comparison to all the other forms of media they have to consume. It's a time issue. And so if they're going to choose your show, it better be good enough quality wise that it's not hurting their ears. It's not irritating to their soul as they listen to it because the quality is so bad. You need to be able to present yourself in a professional manner. So I think all those things are some of the basics that I would keep in mind as you begin. Now, you talked about committing to this for years. What is the statistic about podcasts? Like after a certain number of episodes, there's a certain percentage that stop podcasting at that point. And there's this huge drop off. What is that? Yeah, that's a great question as well. It's not uncommon for the average podcaster to never get beyond 15 episodes. So Larry, you're way beyond your, you're doing very well. Yeah. Yeah, 15 episodes. And I think the reason for that is they don't properly assess if they have time in their schedule to do this. 
They don't properly understand how much effort it's going to take, especially if you're doing all the work yourself. And so it just consumes them and becomes this overwhelming burden of, oh, no, I've got to get another podcast episode out on Friday. What am I going to talk about? And that leads to the issue of not planning properly, not Mm -hmm. being strategic in the way you approach it. There are definitely some things to be learned, but the average person, I think, needs to be educated on those things. And it's interesting if you look at the latest stats, there are over a million podcasts, well over a million in the Apple podcast directory, but 20 to 30% of those haven't published a new episode within the last eight months. Wow. So that tells you something about what happens when people get involved. It's easy to start. It's hard to keep going. Yeah. I know probably to your dismay, it took a little bit longer to kind of get me off the launching pad, but I wanted to be very mindful and strategic. And if you remember, if our listeners remember, when we first launched in October of 2020, essentially we were every other week and we came to a conclusion that we really needed to go weekly. So I needed to really ramp up my conversation so that I had enough in the bank, so to speak, so we would have the content available because I know a lot of podcasters that I've spoken to, they're having me on as a guest and they're putting it out three days later. And that to me is crazy to be under that gun. To me, those are the people that aren't planning properly and probably don't have the benefit of podcast fast track behind them because it makes it that much more difficult to do, I think, at least. Yeah. What you're describing is what we call batch recording. And it's essentially, we recommend to clients often set apart one or two days out of your week. If you can only do one, just do it one. And even if it's just half a day and schedule two or three conversations, if you're doing interviews or if you're doing solo episodes, record two or three or four or five solo episodes in one sitting. Right. And that way you've got content in the bank so that the pressure's off and you can relax and you can think strategically about where you're going. And when you're under the gun to publish an episode on Friday and it's Wednesday, you're not thinking strategically at all. You're just thinking strategy-wise, that doesn't matter. You're just desperate. And that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is when you pull it all together, the time commitment in terms of being committed to this for not months, but years, having the planning capacity, it almost has to be like a subset of your existing career or your existing organization because it takes its own strategic planning to get it done, because it's just like putting a really solid marketing campaign together. You're not going to just whip together an ad, throw it out there for a week and say, oh, hey, it didn't really do anything. There's got to be some serious planning. And I think what you're saying is the same planning you put into those marketing efforts, it has to be here, if not even on a bigger scale, because it's going to be a longer term commitment. Yeah, for sure. And we have some clients who started out as a hobby. We're not strategically planning. They're just recording what they think is fun to talk about. And through trial and error, stumbled into a niche that turned out to be very profitable Hmm. and turned out to have a great audience. But they didn't get there as quickly as they could have if they had done all the planning and strategy. So it's really an issue of how much time do you have and what can you allot to it? And the more you can invest in the strategy and the planning, the faster you're going to get where you want to go. Yeah, that's great. So somebody wants to get into podcasting. What's the best tip that you can offer them? One great takeaway that you're like, wow, if I knew this before I started, it would have really set me off. What I would say is understand what your superpower is. Understand what it is that you can talk about from a unique perspective, or you know guests who can talk about from a unique perspective that nobody else can. 
interview episodes like we're doing right now are a dime a dozen. There's so many interview shows out there. So you need to have an, a unique approach, a unique way of having conversations that makes it interesting for the demographic you're trying to reach. So take the time to figure out who is it I'm trying to help? Why do I want to help them? And what can I do specifically to be of help to them in that way that no one else is doing? It's not necessarily no one else can do it, but it's that it's a hole in the market. It's a need that's not being served. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, I think that all goes back to that whole planning component and figuring Mm -hmm. out where you want to be and what traffic you want to play in. So you get run over by the right people, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's pivot for a minute. You mentioned back in 2015, podcasting started and where we are today, a million different shows on Apple iTunes. How do you think podcasting is going to change in the upcoming years? Because I still feel even though we're 10 plus years into this, let's say roughly, it's on this trajectory that's picking up steam in terms of people listening, people acquiring and looking for podcasting. Do you see some major changes in the field coming down the pike? Yeah, I sure do. And just to be accurate on the history of this, the tech and the actual ability to publish episodes began way back in 2003. Right. Except back then you had to be a geek who could code and know how to do all that. And no offense to geeks, you know, it's just, that's the skill set you had to have. Like geeks rule the world. That's, that's know, right. Hey, that's no exactly right. Taken. <laughs> yeah, that's the skill set you had to have in order right. to podcast. But it's gotten so much easier because the tech and the software and all those things have become so much more user-friendly and so much is done behind the scenes for you. Well, just amplify that going into the future. I think podcasting is going to get easier and easier to the point that, I mean, we're almost there now. You're going to have to wade through a lot of junk in the future to get to exactly what you're looking for, because it's going to be so easy. It's so ubiquitous. Anybody can do it and anybody will do it just on a whim because they'll be able to pick up their phone, have a great mic right there, be able to record. And it sounds almost as good as the other guy. Well, you've got to really have content that sets you apart then and the value of what you're producing has to be so much greater when that happens. But I feel we're almost at a turning point in terms of content distribution and how it works, where some major decisions are going to be made in the next five to 10 years. And I think it's probably even faster than that about who owns the media that's being produced and who has control of it. I mean, we're seeing all this scuttlebutt on the internet right now about Joe Rogan being on Spotify. And is he catering to people who are giving misinformation about the pandemic? And all these things. Well, Spotify has an agreement with Joe Rogan such that if they wanted to, they could totally shut him down. Right. Well, that's not good for Joe. That's not good for Joe's show as a creator. But here's the caveat to that. Joe being Joe wouldn't be hurt by that at all because he can have another bazillion dollar deal within weeks and he can have his own platform set up on his own servers if he wants. But the average person can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so content creators need to be thinking about where is my actual media hosted? And what power does that host have over whether I'm able to continue producing content or not? Because what if they decided, oh, it's unethical, Larry, for you to help people with finances and talk about the stories and how people handle their finances. That's unethical. So that we're going to shut you down. I mean, right right now, there's a lot of other platforms you could go to and -hmm. take your show over there. But you could lose a lot of listeners in the process. You could lose your subscriptions, all that sort of stuff. So I think this technology of having distributed platforms where your contents may be built on blockchain or built on something else where it can't be tampered with by anybody except you is going to be one of the new frontiers for podcasting. Interesting. And is that stuff being worked on as we speak that is being talked about? Because that's new and it's quite interesting to me as well. 
Yeah, it is. There are media platforms already built on blockchain. There's one called Odyssey, which is like a YouTube competitor. So it's primarily for video and it works pretty much just like YouTube. The content is built on the blockchain and hosted on the blockchain so that it can't be taken off unless you take it off as a creator. I've done some experiments with Odyssey in particular with audio only. It does allow you to add only audio, but it's not built out in a way that's specific for podcasting. And so there's a lot of your data that needs to go to your podcast directories like Apple and Spotify and all those places that it just doesn't provide. Right now. <laughs> right now. Right, <laughs> right now. And so I think somebody is either going to iterate on one of those platforms or create something of their own that serves podcasting specifically with that kind of a platform. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And as a financial firm, we get a lot of questions about crypto and blockchain. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that we hear about regularly, about Bitcoin in particular and blockchain, et cetera, mm -hmm. I think what you just described is probably where the future of blockchain is in applications like that, which are not necessarily the things that are always talked about when they tie back in that whole conversation around investing in that space. And I think that things like this is where there's going to be a lot of value, like being able to host music or a show or video on the blockchain and then have control. They know it's yours. It's assigned a number, an ID, it's yours. And then you could push it out wherever you want. I think that's yeah. really valuable. Yeah, I do too. I think that's really the strong point of the whole blockchain tech. And it didn't make sense to me at first. Why are there always tokens and coins <laughs> right. attached to all these platforms? Well, it's it's because it's distributed among random servers all over the world. And those people have to be paid somehow for allowing their servers to be used. And so they use the crypto mm -hmm. to pay these people. Right. And as long as the crypto has value, they're getting something out of it. And so I think the time's going to come when there's going to be some different kind of incentive. It's not going to be crypto. It's going to be something else. Right. It's going to run on the same sort of a philosophy, and it's going to be a distributed network, which in essence is more secure. Well, I'm sure those geeks that you referenced earlier are hard at work trying to figure <laughs> this out while yeah. you and I sit here and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've talked with a few on LinkedIn, and uh, they are working on it. For yeah. Sure. So how do you define a successful podcast? Is it all about downloads? Is it some other metric? Obviously, if you're not at a Joe Rogan level where you have sponsors and you're bringing in millions of dollars, that's an obviously a situation where you have really quantifiable metrics. But if you're starting a show for business purposes or personal purposes that you want to kind of grow and turn into some kind of business entity, either from a revenue standpoint or a marketing standpoint for the business, how should you be judging your success or lack thereof? Yeah, well, let me give you a Mickey Mouse illustration that would illustrate this. Uh, say my wife's birthday is coming up on Friday. It's not, but say it is. And I want her to have the most fabulous cake in the world. Her favorite colors, her favorite Oreo cookie type frosting, you know, whatever. Well, I've got to take steps to ensure that happens. I've got to find somebody who can make it. I've got to enlist their help in doing so. I've got to pay them to do it. I've got to get ingredients, perhaps. I've got to get it displayed in a way where it's present there for the birthday. I mean, there's all kinds of steps that have to get there. But the goal was to have the birthday cake, right. pristine, beautiful, exactly like she likes it, so that she loves it. Well, that's my goal. I think in podcasting, is very similar. You've got to know what your goal is. And success is going to be determined by whether you reach that goal. And so some people think, well, if I don't have monetization and sponsors and lots of listeners, I'm not successful. Well, that's not necessarily true. We have clients who have 200, 300 downloads per episode, and that's all they ever get. But their goal was not to have thousands. Their goal was to serve a very specific niche of people 
and use that influence to build something for themselves and for their industry. And they've done that. And courses can be run off the back of that. Mastermind groups, books can be published. All kinds of things can happen when enough people interested in your specific topics are very enthused about what you're doing. I think what I'm hearing is you really have to determine what that metric is for you. It's not really something that's across the board. I know for us, and we were kind of talking about it before we went live here and started recording, I know there are a lot of people out there that are looking at the downloads yeah. Thousands upon thousands. And to me, in what we're looking to get out of this and the content and the people we're looking to connect with, we don't necessarily need thousands. We're really looking for several hundred really engaged listeners that are listening and learning and feeling like we're adding value to them in their lives. And if they're already a family we serve, great. We're just reinforcing that. And if they're not a family we serve, then hopefully at some point when they feel it's necessary that they need advice and guidance, that because we've been in their ear for 30, 40, 50 minutes a week for a prolonged period of time that they call us. And that to me yeah. is really our metric over time is that's how we want to see things going. Yeah. And just to expand that a little bit, I can give you some examples of things that are metrics that you may not necessarily think of. We have clients who do their podcast solely to meet interesting people that they can connect with on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Mm -hmm. And so the guests that they're inviting on their show really are their goal. They're wanting to forge a relationship with these people so that should they need to connect with that person, resource that person, connect that person to someone else in their network, they have the open door to do that. And that's their only goal. We have other clients who their goal is to have people on their podcast as guests who are their ideal client. And they strike up a great conversation. They have a great time together. And then at the end of the conversation, they're able to naturally talk about the needs that person might have that the podcast host could meet. And it's a different sort of approach to podcasting. It doesn't depend at all on numbers. Yeah, it's no, that's all focused on something else. It's shorter than a four-hour golf outing, right? Yeah. Round of golf, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's a much easier yes, too. People are quick to come on a podcast. Right. That's interesting. So I've never thought about that, but that's an interesting angle for other people who are considering having a podcast for sure. If you're a podcaster and you don't feel like you're getting traction, right? What advice would you offer them? If they're putting it out there, they're not getting very many downloads, they're not getting the guests that they want. What advice can you offer them to help them? Yeah. Well, you mentioned two different scenarios. So I'll speak to both of those. Say they're not getting the guests that they want. Well, I think, first of all, they need to be strategic in how they're going about getting guests. My advice to everyone that I talk to about this issue is with every guest you invite on, ask them, do you know two or three people who you think would be a great fit to be on our show as a guest, just like what you just did, and get recommendations. If those people can make the introduction for you, all the better, because right. then you've got a warm, open door in order to go and talk to that person about being a guest. So I think over time, you're going to find there's this concept of six or seven steps of separation between you and anyone on the planet. Mm -hmm. You'll find over time, you're able to connect with those big guests that you're wanting to be connected with just through the networking that you're doing with the people on your show. The other thing that you mentioned is getting traction in terms of getting more listeners, gaining more influence in that regard. I think that you've got to find out who your audience is and where they hang out, both online and offline, and figure out how to get your show in front of them in a friendly, non-offensive way. You don't want to be the guy who goes into the Facebook group about your niche. And every time you post is, hey, here's a new episode. Listen to my podcast. Did you know I have a podcast? Hey, here's my podcast. Right. You, you don't want to be that guy. You want to be that girl. You want to be the one who's in there providing value and who is demonstrating to people that you're able to help with the problems that they have 
And then they are going to take the initiative to look into you. Who is this guy? Who is this girl? Why are they doing this? Oh, they have a podcast. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll listen. And it's a slow grind. That's why you need that two or three year plan. Right. You need to know it's going to slowly build over time. And then just a general approach I would give to almost anybody is if you want to get more podcast listeners, you need to get in front of more podcast listeners. And that means be on other people's shows. Right. Find ways to connect with other hosts who you can truly serve their audience. You know, it would do me hardly any good to go on a cooking show where all they do is teach their newest recipe. Right. I don't have recipes. I mean, <laughs> ramen in the microwave. I can teach you how to do that. But you need to be targeted. You need to get in front of people who have the audience you want. And then you just provide value the best you can. And at the end, when they ask you, how can people get in touch with you? The only thing you talk about is your podcast. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And we've been pretty successful. As you know, we've had a lot of hockey related folks on our show. And it's a very easy thing when you have like a former NHLer like Theo Flurion or the head of Bauer, Mary Kay Messier, and you share that into a hockey group. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, this is a cool guy. I watched Theo Fleury growing up and listened to the podcast, and then maybe they explore a little bit more, and then they find Mary Kay and some of the other hockey-related folks that we have. So I agree. I think it's also a good tool, the podcast, to be able to introduce yourself as long as you're doing it in a non-offensive way and you're not, you know, like if I had a financial-related show and put it into a hockey group, that's really not the right place to do it, you know, hockey-related in the hockey group. When I have authors on, we share those to the author groups and try to keep that separation and do it more methodically and strategically. It's extremely helpful, I think, to building that following for sure. Yeah. And what you just described, Larry, that takes like 15 minutes of thinking to figure that out. I have episodes with people in these various industries, these various areas, where are groups where people interested in that area are. Right. And it's very simple. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't take that much in the thought process. So I think you answered one of these. We talked about poor sound quality earlier, but besides that, are there any other pet peeves you have as somebody in this business, right? When listening to other folks' podcasts? Yeah, I think my pet peeve is an interviewer who doesn't know how to interview and doesn't seem to care that they don't know how to interview. (laughs) It's obvious because they'll ask the same questions on every episode. And you notice that once the person is done answering the question, they just move right to another question without any comment on what was just said or any curiosity about the answer they just heard. They're just clicking through the episode, checking off the boxes. And that's a pet peeve to me because that's not what podcasting is designed for. Podcasting is designed to make connections between human beings. It's designed to enable us to grow and learn and be entertained. And that type of interview I just described does none of that. Right. It's just filling time in order to get content out there, in order to monetize, in order to take advantage of your audience. And to me, that's all a recipe that says bad. Right. It's just not good. You need to have your audience in mind and have conversations that serve them in some way. And that means if you're an interviewer, you've got to get better at interviewing. There's a great podcast that I recommend to people all the time. It's called The Turnaround. And this is about as meta as it can get. It is an NPR level interviewer interviewing NPR level interviewers about interviewing. (laughs) Okay. And this guy's talked to Larry King, Katie Couric, Dick Cavett, Terry Gross, all kinds of great interviewers about their craft and how they do what they do. And you just learn so much just listening to their advice and their stories. And it's great. 
Yeah. And I think you have to, to some degree, if you're going to step into this environment and be a podcaster, you have to take it like you would other things and other either recreations or crafts that you would do in your life and kind of make a commitment to try to hone yourself and improve yourself and get better. Listen, I'll tell you point blank. I've been doing this for like a year and a half now, and I think I am far better. I listen to the older episodes versus the new, and I think it's so much better. We just changed as of January 1, we changed the intro and the outro because I wanted to improve it and kind of get better. We had one idea of what the show was going to be about when we first started, and it's morphed a little bit, I think, in a good way. And now we needed that intro to kind of identify those changes. So one of the things I think is you want to see that progression over time. If you're listening to the same podcast, unless it's really like a major, major hit from the get-go, you have to be in a position to identify, review, and refine over time and make it better. Yeah. But my biggest pet peeve, and I think it's worse now since I've been doing this on my own and I took the time, effort, and energy to get good equipment. My biggest pet peeve is when you're listening to a show and the host sounds like he or she is in a tin can and the guest sounds better than the host. Oh, yeah. That blows my mind. Like I hear that and I'm like, how did you even release that show? (laughs) (laughs) But that's my biggest pet peeve. So Yeah, I am totally with you on that. Oh, man. So what are the next big things up for Carrie Green and Podcast Fast Track? What do you got coming up on the horizon? Yeah, well, Podcast Fast Track is always looking for new ways to serve our clients. And right now, there's just a certain set of things around podcasting that podcasters tend to need. And I don't see any real world-changing things on the horizon. So our goals right now are to get better at what we do to get smoother in our systems and our delivery, because one of the big deals to us is the relationship that we have with our clients. We want our clients to feel like we care about their message and what they're doing just as much as they do. Now, I know that's impossible because it's not our message, but we want to be that kind of a partner because our goal is to build relationships that last a long time rather than just conduct transactions. And so that means our entire experience clients have with us and with our team has to get better all the time. We're trying to remove friction. We're trying to remove frustration. We're trying to make sure the tech works. And some of that's outside our control. But as you know, Larry, we've had tech issues on your show from time to time where the media host is having an issue. And we just try to keep very close relationships with the media hosts so that we can reach out to them and get a quick resolution when things happen. It's just all part of serving people better. And that's really our big goals right now. That's great. And I will tell you, we're very happy. You've been doing a great job. And Just like our show has morphed and improved, I feel like our relationship and the business end of things and you taking care of the podcast has done so as well. So we appreciate you and thank you for that partnership that we have. We value it. Well, thanks, Larry. I sure appreciate that. Yeah. So, Carrie, I hope this isn't a pet peeve. This doesn't play into your pet peeve of questions being the same. But we do ask each of our guests the same one question to end each of our shows, which plays into the Midland Money Mindset, and that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Yeah, I did today what I do every day of my life. I learned this back in my college days. I get up early. I've just developed this habit of getting up 4 or 4.30 every morning, and it's a quiet time of the day when no one's going to call me, no one's going to interrupt, and I get to spend time reading the scriptures is what I love to do, praying, 
journaling, doing some sort of a study to enrich myself and get my mindset right for the day. And I feel like by the time my wife wakes up around 6 or 6.30, I'm on track. I'm ready to go for the day and I'm ready to serve her and the relationships in our home. And I'm able to serve clients and my team the way that I need to. That's amazing. And I can't believe in college you were getting up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, well, there's a story behind (laughs) that. I was one of those kids who got C's all through high school just because that's all I had to do. So that's all I did. And somewhere around my senior year, my freshman year, I started realizing these grades might have something to do with what I get to do in the future. (laughs) And so I might want to do better in college. And so I went to college with this desire to really learn rather than just get through the courses and to really learn to study, which I'd never really known how to do in the past. And the dorm I lived in was just like party central. There were guys were up all hours of the night. It was a loud place. It was et cetera. And in order to be able to study, I either had to go to the library, which was way across campus, or I had to get up early. Right. And so I resorted to getting up early. And it's just a habit that I built. That's amazing because what you were in the right place in terms of your education and going to college because there are so many people that go to school and aren't at that same mindset and ready to go to school. So I appreciate that. And if folks want to find you or podcast Fast Track, we'll have it in the show notes, but what's the easiest way for them to find you? Yeah, well, it's the website, podcastfasttrack.com. That's easy enough. So take a look. If you're thinking about or have a podcast, reach out to Carrie. If you need a personal reference, give me a call. Shoot me an email. I'll be happy to serve as one. And Carrie, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and make it a great day. Yeah, you too, Larry. Thanks so much. I want to thank Carrie Green for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Carrie took his need for a new career and found something he truly loves. Not only is Carrie a successful podcaster, but he is now helping countless others do the same. Through Carrie's leadership, Podcast Fast Track is the elite podcast production agency in the industry, specializing in audio production, SEO-optimized written content, and all the fun little media pieces you need to make your podcast stand out. Carrie and the Podcast Fast Track team can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.